Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Steve Rowell here. Today is Thursday, March the 14th, 2019. It's 4 p.m. in New York. It's 1 p.m. in Los Angeles. It is, if I could do my math right, 8 p.m. in London, Sydney, Australia. You should be somewhere around uh, 7 in the morning, I think. But wherever you are, that, that this is daily, daylight savings time throwing me off. But wherever you are in the morning, thank you for joining us. Or in the afternoon or in the evening, thanks for joining us for another episode of LOA Today. Your daily dose of happy. And as you can tell, Steve, I'm in kind of a tripping over the tongue mood. But, you know, hey, Facebook was tripping over itself for the last uh, 24 hours. Instagram, WhatsApp, they were tripping over themselves. I think I'm allowed to trip over my tongue. What do you think? I think so. I think so. I think, I think, so. We, can, I think we can safely safely get away with um, anything we want today after all the uh, <laughs> all the uh, technical issues that, that Facebook's been having. So um, as long as we can do better than that, I'm sure we'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you this. Uh, we did try to do the live stream again, and you were – sitting there while I was trying to do it, and unfortunately, Facebook is saying, sorry, there is an error. We can't help you. It's like, oh, dear. So if you were looking for the live stream, I'm glad you found the podcast because that means you're subscribed to the podcast. That's really the most important thing. You get to find out what we're talking about today. That The bad part, of obviously, is that we don't get those comments that we get from people during the uh, the live streaming. That That's always fun because we get good questions that way and so forth. But uh, that's okay. We're on our own today. We get to kind of come up with the topics for ourselves. And we got two creative guys here. I think we, we can pull that off one way or another. Um, so what do you say? I think we should probably like do like a, a switch back and forth with questions, you know, topics for us to address, you know, questions that are typical of people who are, you know, seeking coaching help or asking questions on Facebook or that kind of thing. So that, that's what I'm thinking. You want to play that game? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's see what goes so. on. So, all right, I'm going to come up with the first one here, and I'll, I'm going to do it my favorite way to do it, which is to open my mouth and find out what comes out. <laughs> because I've gotten better at that, believe it or not. I remember the first time I tried that, and I said, you know, what if this is really going to work? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know what was going to come out, but what came out was pretty good, and most of the time it, it's not too tangled. So, uh, okay, <laughs> open my mouth. Well, actually, I'm seeing what the heck is that? I'm seeing a question on Facebook that I don't even understand what it means. That's, that's probably just going to jam my channels up, so I won't, I won't look at that one. <laughs> Do you have any idea what the pi day is? Pi, like in uh, the mathematical number pi. What is the pi day? That's what this question is asking. No, I have no idea. And they're asking it in an Abraham. You know what? Sorry. They're asking it in an Abraham Hicks group. I mean, I, yeah, that's I what we're reading wrong books. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know there was a. Although I think I've heard something about it before. Have you? But I'm not sure what it is. I've heard yeah, it in passing, but I don't is. know. I'm not sure what. Why well, maybe they thought celebrate. they were picking up. They thought they were picking up Baskin as given, and it was actually their math book. I don't know. <laughs> it's a natural confusion, you know. <laughs> math, Abraham Hicks. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> okay, now. All right. So let's see. First question of the day. Okay, well, here we go. Facebook. Facebook caused a lot of problems for a lot of people who were trying to do their usual social media thing over the last 24 hours. And I'm sure there were a lot of people who got really, really frustrated about it. And I can, I think it's safe to conjecture that a number of people, probably a significant number of people, got so upset about it, they created a vibration that brought some more stuff into their lives. I mean, that, that seems kind of fair because people tend to have like a most people are, are are focused more on negative than they realize. And so when something goes wrong, you know, they kind of go ballistic on it. Other people have learned how to 
shrug it off, you know, which is the good thing to do, right? You don't want to have Facebook ruling your, your emotions. Um, but let's say you're somebody who kind of went ballistic on Facebook and then you, you go to Steve Rall, the coach, and says, Steve, I can't believe that Facebook is doing this to me. How did I attract that? <laughs> How did I attract that? That's a brilliant one, isn't it? But yeah, the, um, the, the, the Facebook issues, you do see, I, I have seen a lot of people getting very frustrated about it. And, mm. and then when it has come back up and they are able to comment again, it's, it's, it's for some people, it's like the world's ended. Um, yeah. which is, I find very, very difficult to, uh, to understand because if Facebook's off or I haven't got access to a device to be on Facebook, mm-hmm. that makes me quite happy sometimes because <laughs> then I can just, I, I, I can just be with myself. I can be with myself. Mm-hmm. I can use that time to create and think positive things. And, um, I'm not bombarded with things that, that are not relevant or not conducive with with my thought processes and where i want to go um but from a deliberate creator point of view really we shouldn't be allowing anything outside of ourselves to affect our emotions and how we feel ideally that's where we want to get to which is a great place to be um but yeah some people do find do find that difficult but again it's using using these these tools we've spoken about before so just take it's just about taking a step back and just thinking hang on a minute okay facebook's down i can't comment on there i can't put a post on there i can't take a picture of the meal lovely meal i've just had delivered to my table <laughs> that i want to show off my family right what am i going to do um but taking a step back and just saying okay i've got some really nice food i'm in a really nice restaurant with my family i'd like to take a picture of it to show my friends but is that really important right now <laughs> no it's probably it's probably not that important and is it going to cause me any issues moving forward in my life in the future no it isn't okay well we can accept that that's happened and get on with eating this nice food that's that's Mm. that's the sort of thing we need to bring ourselves back to the present moment and ask yourself is this really going to cause me any issues moving forward in my life and if the answer is no just let it go just let it go that's it exactly but it also it raises a point because what we're really talking about here is an issue. I don't think we've really discussed it very much on this program. Social media addiction. There are a lot of people who rely on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all these you know social media platforms to fill gaps in their lives. And more importantly, to take their attention away from stuff that they don't like that's going on. They don't like what's going on in their family, their relationship, their job, their boss, you know, their health. I mean, all kinds of things. But maybe the, if I just spend a little time in Facebook or play a, an online game or a video game or something, then for that period of time, I don't experience quite so much pain. That That's essentially addiction. It is it's exactly the same as any other addiction. Um I think we can all be guilty of it at times. I mean, I've, I tend to, I tend to, <laughs> I tend to use Facebook sometimes. I'll catch myself doing it where I'll just be sat there innately scrolling through on the yeah. phone, just scrolling, right. scrolling, scrolling. <laughs> and I'm like, right, hang on, Steve, just stop. What, why are you doing that? Well, the usual yeah. reason that I'm doing that is because I've got something really important that I need to do, right. but I've found this to do so I can procrastinate and not go off and do the thing that I don't really want to do but i know i have to <laughs> yeah, exactly so i think that's 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 one thing that i i'm guilty of using it for sometimes um sure. 
But I think, I don't know, I, I mean, I, I haven't experienced being addicted to it as such. Uh, but I do hear that there are people out there that, that, that are constantly on some form of screen yeah. um, the majority of their lives. And that's, it's, it's a little bit, um, well, not concerning, but it's, a, it's quite a sad, sad place to be, um, I suppose, because you're not really experiencing life in real terms around you, are you? Because you're not interacting with other people, you're not interacting with the world, you're not creating anything apart from this this screen in front of you and sitting there all day um, on that. Because there, there have been cases where people haven't left the house for years yeah. and they'll just do all online shopping and they'll just constantly be on the on the computer screen. And I think that's... Right. I, I just can't... I, I do understand it because it comes back down to this... Um, Goes back down to, to to making changes in your in your subconscious again, doesn't it? Because they've got that used to being that way and behaving in that way that that's become normal. So if they even think about doing something different, maybe going outside or um, walking to the supermarket and doing the shopping in the supermarket instead of online, that will fill them with so much dread and fear because it's mm. it's different. The subconscious is going. No, we need to protect you here because we need to keep everything the same because that's its job mm-hmm. to keep everything the same. Um, right. So it's exactly you're right. It's absolutely 100 percent just like any other any other form of, of subconscious programming that you've done uh, that you've created over you know a period of time that's then ingrained into your your behaviour patterns really. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, there was a television commercial that ran for a short time. It didn't run for real long. It was about. I'm going to guess four or five years ago here in the States. And the commercial showed two young, two millennial couples sitting in a living room. They were spaced out in like a square, right? All sitting on on different ends of couches and so forth. And they all had smartphones and they were all, you know, texting and so forth on their smartphones. They're all looking at their smartphones. No conversation going on. And the narrator of the commercial is talking about whatever the product was, insurance. I don't remember what it was. But talking about the product and how... It would, if you interact with this product, it will allow you to interact with other people in real time as human beings. And wouldn't that be great? And all four of them look up at once and look at the camera and go, nah, and they go back to the smartphones. <laughs> and that kind of summarizes, I mean, there are a lot of people whose social life is on social media, which has raised, yeah. for some people, for, for some psychologists and so forth, it's raised concern, well, do they really have a life? And for other people, it's more like, well, you know, why would I want to interact with the real world when it's so much nicer on social media? Social media is actually, in many ways, for for many people, a friendlier environment than the real world. It's an interesting debate. Which is better? I mean, personally, I don't think you can really have a life unless you're actively interacting flesh to flesh with real human beings. But there are a lot of millennials who would disagree with me. They just that to them, life is online. That's that's where everything's happening. It is quite scary, really, because if, if I can't do that, if I if I stay in a house on a screen and do everything from there, if if I'm if I'm busy working on things on a computer screen or whatever, and I haven't interacted with someone for more than twenty four hours, I, I sort of start losing the plot a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is good. Yeah, we're on a screen yeah. now, but we're actively. We Exactly. It's a real conversation going on here. Yeah. Real conversation. It's not just, you know, messages on a, or comments on a screen, text. Right. 
Um, right. In text, you can't feel somebody else's emotions. You can't judge how they're feeling and what they mean. So, for example, I, I've done it myself sometimes where somebody will send me a, a message either on Facebook or a text message on the phone, and I'll read it. And depending on how I feel at that moment in time, depends on how I read the message. Yeah. If I'm feeling anxious, I'll read it in an anxious way. So it might come across that this person's being aggressive or um, there's something to be worried about in the message, but actually they, they're not. They're just saying what's what's happening or they're explaining something that's going to happen. And then I take mm-hmm. it in the wrong way and then I'll send a message back that reflects how I've interpreted that text, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is completely different to how they meant the text to come across and then they're like, well, what are you talking about, Steve? So there's, there's this, you can't, you can't interact with someone on an emotional level through, through, through text and through, um, you know, social media in that way, I don't think. Well, yeah, it's you're missing key information. Yeah, you, you can't read body language for one thing. Body language is huge. We don't really, we don't consciously necessarily think about body language, but we're constantly noticing it and reacting based on it. We just, don't actually say, well, I'm I am now reacting to the fact that you took a sip of your coffee, Steve. That's not the way we actually do it, but <laughs> we still react to it. You know, I just take note of the fact that you sipped your coffee, you know. You can't do that on a text message. It's just like, well, I mean, they have little emoticons, you know, I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> it's supposed to replace the fact that I can't actually see you drinking your coffee, right? <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the emotional stuff, I think, gets lost in, in, in translation. So... It, it, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. We're not worried, but because I don't worry about things that I have no control over. But if everybody does end up just communicating online, not through conversation like we're having now, but through messaging or whatever, how are they going to grow emotionally as human beings? Mm. How are they going to understand how to interact one-on-one with a person or in a group or whatever? It's, it's not going to, it's not going to work. However, saying that, they're not always on social media, are they? They still go to school. No, not really. They still yeah. go out in, in, into the world and do things. It's just a little bit different now. Um, yeah. And so, we are approaching the day where it, where the text message is going to, I think, be a thing of the past. Because yeah. we're, we're getting more and more into virtual reality. I mean, we talk about people who stay at home all the time. There are people who all they do is play video games and, wait, and, and make money because other people are watching them play video games. Joel and I were talking about that this morning. It, it's the most bizarre phenomenon. I mean, you you you, you actually have a, a camera on a couple people who are in the same room playing the same video game. You're watching the video game on screen, and you're hearing their banal conversation going on about the game and what's going on in their life and what their opinion is on soap. And I, I mean, it, it it's it's incredible that you often get like tens of thousands of people watching this, but that's what happens. Yeah, this is always my my children. They don't do it so much now, but they used to do that. There's a game called Minecraft. Yeah, and there's this game. They used to watch him. They were sat there. They were sat on a computer screen watching somebody else. Yeah, play a game that they've got on their Xbox anyway. So why don't you just go and play it? (laughs) Why don't you go play it yourself? Why are you watching this guy play it when I don't? I just didn't understand understand that. Maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I'm, I'm, I've grown up too much, but I don't know. No, you're right. I, I just don't understand that at all. I mean, Charlie, that's that's got to be one of the most boring things you could ever do with your life. <laughs> <laughs> Watching somebody else play, play a computer. I get, I get playing a computer game because you're involved in it, 
and and you're getting some some joy and pleasure out of being being losing yourself in that space. It's like watching a, a movie, isn't it? Yeah. But watching somebody else watching a movie. Now that's just odd. What I've been told now, I I don't understand completely myself, but I've been told <laughs> that a lot one of the main reasons for watching is you're watching somebody who's better at the game than you are, so you're picking up tips watching how they yeah. play, and I, I can kind of see that. I get that. But 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 also it reminds me of there's a a guy who um, they did a, a documentary on here in the states. His name is David um, McConnell, I think it is. He's a, uh, an author, a biographer, a history uh, writer, um, but he's also done biographies on John Adams, of course, the second president of the United States. And uh, I think he did one on, on uh, Abraham Lincoln or Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, he's, he's on a number of these kinds of uh, biographies. And they did a biography on him. In the course of conversing with him and learning about who he was and so forth, he's, he's He's a very successful man. He's had he's won multiple Pulitzer prizes. Um, he he has been narrator of of TV documentaries. I mean, he's had this really interesting, varied career. And he said he, he made a really interesting comment. Now he was talking about art, being an artist, you know, learning how to paint and so forth. He said, "There's really no way to learn how to be an artist, a painter, by reading a book." There's really only one way to learn to be an artist, and that is to get out a canvas and get out some paints and paint and create something terrible, throw it aside, put up another canvas and paint. Another thing that's less terrible, throw it aside and just go through it over and over again until finally you start to put something together that looks good. The only way to learn to do art is to do art. And I think that's kind of what we're, we're talking about here. The only way to learn to play Minecraft is to play Minecraft. Yes, you can learn something watching somebody else play, but really you're going to learn a whole lot more when you do the playing. And you're going to learn, and this is true for any game, I think, whether it be a video game or a card game or anything else, you'll learn about yourself when you play a game like that because you learn where your own patterns become predictable that an opponent can take advantage of it or you, know, you have certain things that always play out the same way. And if you can be observant and learn from that, you can actually make yourself a better Video game player, card player, you know, whatever the game is, sports, you know, the sports person, you know, if you're playing football, you know, soccer, you know, you, you can become better just by going out on the soccer pitch every day and playing and interacting with the other players and learning how to do your skill. And I think that's what we're really driving at here with people who are watching other people play a video game. Like, okay, you're going to learn something that way, but aren't you going to learn a lot more if you just play it? It's like, it's like this, this, this analogy with, um, with successful people, and um, you, you, you'll get people that, that will watch other people become successful, mm -hmm. but and say they want to be successful, yeah, um, but actually never ever take a step towards doing that. So it's, I suppose it's a similar sort of situation to be in, isn't it? It's um, it they they'll watch somebody else do something because it's easier because they don't have to put any responsibility maybe on themselves to go and do that. Um, mm -hmm. But they still feel like they're getting the experience of it, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of, I, I, I think I told you that I helped to found an alternative school here in the U.S. Yes, you did. Yeah. Based on the Sudbury model. Yeah. Fascinating to help found a Sudbury school, Sudbury model school, because 
since it, and to remind people what that is, a Sudbury school is one where the kids are in total control of their day, which will give many parents headaches <laughs> because, oh, my God, I don't want my kid to be in charge of his own day. He'll just play video games all day or whatever, you know. But it is fascinating to watch what happens in an actual Sudbury school environment, to watch what kids do and to watch how they interact. Because what happens, well, I, I have to put like an asterisk on this, I realized just now, because the last time I observed a Sudbury school was before the current uh, online video game rage. So there's probably a significant portion of Sudbury kids who are doing that thing that we've just been talking about. But put that aside for a moment and look at what the other kids are doing. What happens an awful lot is a whole lot of socialization. Yeah. The socialization that becomes socializing is huge in a Sudbury school. And what Sudbury's founders learned fairly early on is that a lot of learning goes on during that socializing, a huge amount of learning. Um, one of the interesting facts about a Sudbury school is that when you put a kid into a Sudbury school from age six and just let them go until they're in the end of their normal school years and they can decide do they want to go on to a university or do they want to start a career or whatever. If you just let them go that 12-year that period or whatever it is, during that first six years or so, they will all learn to read. M most of them will learn basic math, arithmetic. Some of them will learn advanced math. Many of them will pursue the sciences. And no one will know where they learned it all. <laughs> Because the staff members who will watch won't be able to see the learning happening because most of it will happen in ways they can't see. And they've realized that a large portion of it, I'm going to guess 70% of it, 80% of it, happens in socializing. The kids teach each other. One of the, It's kind of like the way a, um, today a kid learns how to use a smartphone or a computer. He learns it from his friends. All his friends say, well, I know how to do this. I know how to do that. Well, I can show you how to do that. I'll show you how to do that. And they, they teach each other what they've learned, and then, then they kind of piece together how to do the whole thing. Well, the same thing is true for if you let kids learn to read that way. They'll learn how to read. They'll teach each other how to read. Some of them, will, will you won't even know how they did it. There, there's a classic story that comes out of Sudbury Valley about the kid who went fishing every day. They had a little. Uh, they had six acres for their school and two or three buildings. And it was a nice, really nice thing, lots of room outside to play in and so forth. And they had a pond with a little bridge over it. And this kid would bring his fishing tackle every day and go fishing in the pond. Every day, every day, his father was pulling his hair out. The kid just goes fishing every day. Until one day after about three years of this, and the, the father had lost all his hair by that point. You know, after three years of this, the kid who socialized with nobody, who never talked to anybody, came up to one of the staff members and said, I want to learn how to use a computer. And the staff member <laughs> said, oh, okay, well, um, you're going to have to know how to read first. And the kid says, well, I know how to read. Where did you learn to read? When I was fishing. Okay, well, you, it, um, <laughs> this is a few years ago, so you had to know something about programming and so forth in order to use a computer. So uh, they said, well, it also helps to know math because there's a lot of math in computer programming. Oh, I know how to do math. Where did you learn to do math? While I was fishing. To this day, no staff member at that school knows how that kid learned how to read or to do math, but he did. And he ended up becoming a vice president at Hewlett Packard. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that a wild story? But it's true. It's a true story. So I, I tell you all that to kind of lay, lay a foundation about how I believe the Sudbury model shows us the importance of socializing and of letting kids go off and explore their own stuff. 
And that therein lies the rub because we're talking about kids who play video games and they interact <laughs> with Minecraft and they watch other people playing Minecraft. And the, the, the tendency we all have is to say, well, they shouldn't be doing that. And to this day, <laughs> we'll still say that I don't think they're really growing well. But, and this is the really big but, if you let them do what they really are driven to do, they will find a way to learn what they want to do, what they want to, what they would need to learn. They'll find a way to learn it, which is mind-boggling. But that's exactly what happens. And it happens, we, we should recognize this from law of attraction, right? If you focus on what you want, you're going to get what you want. That's what they do. They just never heard of law of attraction. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think, I think the, the, the traditional, I'll call it traditional school system, is probably the right. best way to put it. Right. Um, is about, is, I've got to be careful, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the traditional school system, uh, in my opinion, I'll say it that way, that's the best bit. <laughs> in my opinion, compartmentalizes children into being a certain way. So fitting into a system of, of doing things. Yeah, you won't get any um, so, argument out of me, I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I know that. I absolutely know that, yeah. But, but, but what, what happens, so, so they, they're taught to, they all wear the same uniform. Yep. They all, there are rules to follow. There are, they, they have one lesson at a time on each subject. Um, everything's done. They have tests. They have, but they don't, they're not allowed as such, like you've just discussed in, in that school model. Sudbury school model, do you say? Yeah. Right, um, yes. They're not allowed to do that. They're not allowed to be themselves and learn in their way. They've all, mm -hmm. they're all given a set of rules to follow. They've all got to do it the same way and all expected to get the same results. Right. Which I think is completely wrong because if you, it's like the analogy by um, Albert Einstein, isn't it? Where you've got the different animals all stood in a row. Um, there's an elephant, a monkey, a fish, and some other uh, some other animals. I can't remember what the others are. But the analogy is: look, if you if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's going to grow up thinking it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't isn't that so true? And that is what we're doing in effect with children in the in, in oh, yeah. the traditional school system. You've all yeah. got to do it this way, otherwise, then and if you don't succeed doing it that way, then you're a failure which is right. completely wrong in my opinion. It, it's a great yeah. reminder that what Abraham teaches us is true. You can't get it wrong and you'll never get it done. Yeah. Or as I like to turn it around, we always get it right and the road goes on forever. But the, especially the first part, I keep trying to remind myself, we always get it right. Even when it's the result that I don't want, I still got it right. Even when I see somebody doing what I think is screwing up, we always get it right. We always get it right. Yes. Because each time we're doing something, we're always moving forward in some form or another, aren't we? We never go. You, know, you can never ever go backwards. It's impossible to go backwards because True. you can't unlearn what you've learned. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you always like, moving you forward. Always growing. You That thing that I learned doesn't serve me anymore, so I'll let go of that. You can do that. Yeah. It's still there. You still, you still experienced it, so it's still there in in, in your right. subconscious memories. Um, yeah. And then you choose which ones you want to you want to keep going with because they worked, and which ones you don't want to use because they didn't. And so, yeah, you're you're always always learning. And I think that's, I think once you stop learning, I think that's when 
well, that's the end, isn't it? Why, why would you ever want to? Yeah. yeah, why would you ever want to? Yeah. Yeah. And even I then, that's, that's stop, even then, you don't stop learning. You just stop learning in this life with this body. That's all. Yeah. You just move on yeah, to exactly. whatever next. Yeah, that's it. Which is which is why I really like. I think that that beautifully describes the Abraham Hicks philosophy, the way they teach it, that you can't ever stop being you. You can't ever stop growing. You just can't. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to stop growing in this body, but even then, you'll just move on to whatever's next. You'll keep growing more and more and more. Or it's the way they say it, expansion is our normal way of being. We are here to expand. We, we expand continuously. With every thought, with every deed, with everything that we focus on, we expand, 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 expand. And when I understand it that way, it took me a while to really get that concept. I don't know about you. Yeah. It took me quite some time to get that concept. But once I got it, I realized we actually couldn't live without it. There's no way to, to, to exist without that. You have to have that. That's essential. And it reinforces just how true law of attraction theory really is. Because that's that's core to law of attraction theory as well. It becomes clear that it's inseparable from life. Life, LOA, they are truly inseparable. Yeah, so you're always, you, in effect, you you are with your thoughts. Everything starts with that that first thought, doesn't it? Mm. And then, then you get the emotion. Then you move into the action that you take because of those thoughts and emotions, which then creates your your next little moment of reality each. Each moment of the day, week, month, year, whatever, mm. you're constantly creating each moment, moment by moment, because that's all you've ever got. You've only got what you do in that moment, mm -hmm. and that's exactly. it. That's, that's that's it. Once you once you realise that that's all you've got, and that's the one thing that you're 100 percent in control of. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can completely yeah. change my life right now if Just I want okay. to. Yeah. yeah. See, now this is a really powerful game we're playing here. This game, we played the game. We're playing the game of let's each come up with a question to discuss. We just took a half an hour on the first question. I don't know if you realize that. <laughs> the first question was, you know, what Facebook, Facebook going down, and all that. Look what it turned into. It's like, whoa! <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It turned into light the universe and everything. <laughs> but it's, um, I mean, this is it. We, the, what the beauty of it is, with this, this, the, the just the now, because the now is just awesome. Because you can, I, I can, I can decide to either do something that's going to positively impact my life and my future, future existence, or I can right. choose to do something that's going to negatively impact it. Um, so I could, if I wanted to, now I could go run out in the middle of the road and get run over by a lorry on purpose, which would have a massive negative impact on my life, wouldn't it? <laughs> it, it, it would shorten it tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> right, either that or it hurts a lot. Yeah, um, a lot. Yes. And, and, and so I'm going, I, speaking on behalf of our audience, I'm going to ask you, please don't do that. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm using it to make a point, but the the, the point is, we are 100% in control of everything that we decide to do as human beings, True. whether that is a negative thing or a positive thing. So why don't we just choose positive things? Yeah. When you put it like that, it seems so simple, doesn't it? It does. And I think it's 100% correct. There are some people who will tell you, you can't be positive all the time. You can't focus on positive all the time. And they actually suggest that it is 
not a good thing to be positive all the time because you would never be engaging in contrast if it was always positive. Absolutely. I'm not so sure that's true. I wouldn't say it's true as such, but you do need negative things because you can't have, yeah, I don't think you can have the positive without some negative. So, for example, if I'm doing something that's really positive in my life and I'm making ch positive changes, then I will get a lot of negativity from something somewhere. It might be another person. It might be um, relatives. It could, it could be something strange and weird will happen that's negative that's trying to get my emotions back down to where they were. Usually I'll create that subconsciously anyway. Um, but this is this is what this change is about. If, you, if you're wanting to move, in a, move your life in a positive way, you are going to come up against resistance. I call it resistance, not negativity. Because sure. I don't like the word negativity. I, I, I prefer to call it something else, which is resistance. Um, and I think it's important to have that resistance and notice that it's there. Mm -hmm. Because if you're working with that resistance to move you forward, then that's, again, a positive thing, not a negative thing. So that, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a strange... You're touching on it right there. You're touching on my reason why I think what I said is true. Hmm. Because I'm not saying that you can go through life and not have negativity. I'm saying you can go through life positively and always yeah. stay positively. And what that means is negative things will happen, but you don't have to react to them negatively. You can mm -hmm. react to there. Are, you can find ways to react to anything positively, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful, no matter how bad it is. Not always easy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> it, it, it can be a real pain in the ass sometimes. It, it can be horrible. It can just flatten you. It can just be, you know, uh, I mean, the obvious example that comes to my mind quickly is Joel uh, has adopted three boys in his life, and the first one, at age 21, got killed in an auto accident. I mean, that's just, that's devastating. That's horrible. Joel, to this day, will, he won't tell you that he's happy that it happened. But what he will tell you is that he learned so much about focusing on the love he had for his son and that his son had for him every time he thinks about it. So that even though just, I think it was a few weeks ago, he, he uh, noticed and made note on Facebook about how this was uh, his, his late son's birthday, I think it was. Yeah, and I saw he remembers that. Yeah, you saw that one, right. And it was, it was a beautiful post. And the, the purpose behind it was to celebrate the life. So he found this way to take a horrendous event and turn it into a positive. That's the it's skill wonderful. of living right there. It is. Yeah. It is wonderful. So that's why I say we really can stay in the positive, but it's not easy. It means making choices, even in the face of the most difficult circumstances, to find the positive. That, that's the trick. That's the hard part. But it can be done. Oh, it can be done. I mean, I, um, I lost my, uh, my cousin um, when I was 21. Hmm. Yeah, and um, back then I wasn't in a I wasn't in a very a very good place at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. um, it was before I decided to take back control of it. Uh, everything, right. um, and he um, he had a brain tumor, and right. he was I was twenty one. I think he was twenty four, um, and he was supposed to be coming to meet me that weekend to to go out in the in the in the city for a few drinks and you know to have right. some fun. Um, and my parents came into my room, knocked on the door. I woke up and they told me he'd passed away. Yeah. Um, and now I would, now I'd react to that completely differently to how I did then. 
then I lost the plot. I drank ridiculous amounts of alcohol and got myself in a really bad place. Wow. Because he, he was like a brother to me because we were both yeah. only children. Right. Um, and a lot of my, a lot of my childhood, um, I spent up because uh, they, they lived in a, on a farm out in the countryside. Um, and I spent a lot of my childhood up there with, with him, um, which got me away from what was happening at home with the uh, the things that were going on. Um, so that hit me quite hard at that point in time. But now when I look back and I see what he did with his life, because he, did, he didn't want to be a farmer like his, like his dad. Mm. Um, so he went to uni and he created this amazing life for himself. He worked for um, an oil, the Conoco Oil Company, in, as a, mm. an, a chemical engineer. Wow! And I look back at it now, and it, I don't, it doesn't fill me with sadness. It fills me with joy that he'd actually he'd done everything with his life that he'd set out to do, mm. and then he passed away. Yeah. So actually, he'd done everything that he'd set, ever said that he wanted to do and he completed it. So it was, it was his time to, to go anyway, because mm. he, he got there. He's gone off and, you know, into this new, new realm of, um, where, well, oneness, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> and that's, that's a, that's a hard idea right there. A lot of people would find that to be almost unfeeling. It would be, but I'm devastated by his loss. By by losing him, I mean his him not being here is huge for me. It it crushed me. It it killed me. It, it just ruined my life. And people will stay there. They'll they'll fight for that. They'll defend that. You know. So you know, presenting them with the idea that you know you should focus on the fact that he may have been done. Oh no, that that you know the the, the mind just resists that for so many different people. But that's exactly what Abraham teaches. They teach us that every one of us chooses when we're going to die. We all make the decision consciously, they say, which seems Absolutely. hard to believe yeah. for some people. It's hard. It's, I'll be honest. Sometimes it's hard for me to believe. But nevertheless, I, I have, have to admit, it makes sense. I, yeah, I have seen it. Um, mm -hmm. I have seen someone choose to do that, which was my, my granddad. He decided really? that he, he'd had enough and he wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did. That, that specific yeah. day when he said he'd had enough and he wanted to go, he just did. Wow. He went. So, wow. It's absolutely true. It is. People do choose when they've when they've finished what they've, what they've got to do here. My, my sister-in-law's husband passed uh, two years ago, January, I think it was. And previously, he he was he was um, very overweight and had struggled with weight all his life. He tried all different things, he even did the bypass, he did all the stuff, and was never able to actually defeat that, so to speak. He was never able to overcome it. And he had said earlier on in his life that, you know, he'd probably make it to 70 and then he'd be done. Well, he died at age 70. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right on. Hit the hit right on the nose, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Louise and I both noticed, you know, we, we really paid attention to that, like, wow, he really actually did say when he was done. Now, have I decided when I'm going to die? Not that way. I haven't. <laughs> Nothing that conscious. And I don't think most people do. I think that's what makes it so hard to understand and, or even to believe that it's true. But you're right. We can all find examples in our lives of people. Well, I, I can tell you another one. Um, Louise's stepmother. Um, her mother died when she was 21, I think. 
from a, a second stroke. And in between the first and second stroke, my wife was her caregiver, um, which was kind of rough because she was 15 at the time of the first stroke. So as a teenager, she's being asked to, to be a full-time nurse for her mother. Well, anyway, um, got through all that, and, and it actually worked out well in the sense that she and her mother became very close, but then her mother passed at age 21. Her father ended up um, going through a number of relationships and then remarrying a number of years later to this woman named Ruth, who um, early on, Louise and Ruth had a terrible relationship. Just, I mean, it was oil and water. They just did not get along at all. And Ruth made Louise's life miserable in so many ways. Um, so Louise left home fairly soon, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but later on in life, not only did they reconcile, um, they actually became very good friends to the point where Louise was calling her every week to check up on her, how are you doing? They had these long conversations by phone. So they, they had really reconciled very, very dramatically, very strongly. Um, at the end of, of Ruth's life, Ruth was, I think she was around 90, something like that. And uh, they had moved her into hospice. There had been a series of situations. So they, she was in hospice, and uh, it was actually a rather nice facility, and, and there was there were opportunities for her to do things and so forth. But there were also a number of things happening to her physically, and she got to the point where she decided – she just was done with the she, – she didn't want to have to do all the medication stuff. She didn't want to have to do all the regimens. She didn't want to have to do all these things. She didn't like the fact that she was unable to do the things she'd been able to do before. Yeah. And so she just decided, I'm just going to cut it all off. And the doctors told her, you're going to die if you do that. She says, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and so we went – and this is surreal. We went to visit her two days before she died. She was as alert as can be. I mean, there was no – there, there was no hysteria going on. There, were, there was no medical emergency going on. She was just normal Ruth. And we all knew she was going to die in two days. And well, we didn't know how long, but, you know, it was going to be pretty quick. And we were there to say goodbye. I've never been through that before, where you're talking to somebody who's just as lucid as can be, and she's sitting up, she's having a normal conversation, and everyone in the room knows she's not going to be there in a few days. That was really interesting. I've never experienced that before. But what I can tell you is this. After all the goodbyes were said, and they were pretty oh. tearful and so forth, as we're leaving the room, Louise walked out first. I stopped at the foot of Ruth's bed, and I turned to her, and I said, you're about to embark on a really cool adventure. And she gave me this quizzical look like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I knew she was about to go into the non-physical, and I've heard all the stories about how amazing and wonderful that is. So I had to tell her, you're about to go on an amazing adventure. <laughs> That's, it's just, um, it, it takes away, because a lot of people fear death, don't they? Um, but the, 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 it's, I don't understand that, because... Well, you know what I think happens? I, I think what happens is, it isn't so much they fear the death. They'll, they'll tell you that they fear the death, but I don't think that's really what it is. I think it's that they're upset because they're hurt that the person they love isn't there anymore. And they were depending on that person for something, something that helped to fill them, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the things that happens a lot, and you know, you, you know about it and probably have dealt with it as a coach, uh, any psychotherapist knows about it, is there is a cycle of grief whenever someone dies. They're like, this is a five-step process and that kind of thing. And after Ruth died... Louise went through her grieving and so forth. But it wasn't a major grieving thing. It was fairly quick for her. And then about six, seven months later, 
she was sitting there, and it was on a Wednesday. Wednesday was the day she always called Ruth. And it finally hit home that she couldn't call Ruth anymore. And she broke down in tears, and she was in real pain. You could just see it on her face. She was hurting so much. And I didn't know what to do to help her. But I just got this impression, just something to do. So I just went with it. And she, now we have a sectional couch, and she likes, Louise likes to sit in the corner of the sectional couch so she can stretch out, and, you know, she's got all her stuff around her. So she uses the couch kind of like a side table sort of. So she's in, <laughs> the, corner of the, she's in the corner of the couch, and I just went over to, you know, right in front of her at the, on the floor in that corner. And she wondered what I'm doing because I never do that, right? So I go over there. I sit in front of her. I, I sit down on the ground in front of her, and she's looking at me. And I said, you know, I never asked you this before, but what was it you loved most about Ruth? And she stopped, and her face shifted, and her attention shifted, and you could see her face lifting away all the wrinkles and all the strain was going away. And she said, I had forgotten that. And then she started telling me what she loved about Ruth. And in seconds, all the grief was gone. Now, Louise is a former psychotherapist. And she said, you're amazing. You just figured out how to skip past all five steps of grief to go to acceptance. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> now, I didn't know what I was doing when I did that. But I have used that since then with people who are in grief. It's amazing how fast you can help them get there just by focusing on the love. And what I've realized is grief is about focusing on the loss. You overcome grief by focusing on the love. But they say that grief is and love are very, very similar, aren't they? They're actually the same, the same emotion, just reversed. I'm not so sure about that. I, that's that's what my little discovery, I think, showed. I think grief yeah. is focusing on loss, not on love. Well, that's what I mean, because love, you're gaining something, aren't you? And then grief, you're losing something. So it's it's the polar opposite. That's what I'm saying. That's what I meant. Sorry. Oh, I see. Okay, polar opposite. Okay, I got you. So one's one's the positive and one's one's the negative. But you can, because that's what I did with with my my cousin Darren. Is I switched it round to how wonderful his life was and what mm -hmm. I saw and the positives that that he that I'd learned from him in effect. Um, and then it it it, it dissipates the the negative grief. I think taking the Abraham example, Abraham says that the opposite of everything is the lack of that thing. So everything is a two-ended stick. There's thing and there's lack of thing. And I think that's what we're saying here. Grief, grief is, is lack of love. That's what it really is. It's shutting yourself off from the love and so you feel grief. It's like, well, it's like when you, um, when you break up with a, a partner, it's exactly the same. You go through a period of grief, yes. don't you? Sure. That's if you didn't if you didn't want to um, break break right, up. Right, right. If you did right. want to break up, then that's different. But <laughs> <laughs> if you did want to, it's probably just go for a beer and you're done. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a similar sort of thing, isn't it? It's exactly the same sort mm -hmm. of feelings that you, you get when you split with you know in a relationship, or if you, oh, if yeah. somebody passes away, it's, it's exactly the same. Exactly the same. So when we see these questions on, on Facebook, particularly usually from young women, usually in their 20s, who um, they broke up with a boyfriend or the boyfriend broke up with them and they're heartbroken and, and they're, they're expressing how heartbroken they are. And it's, it hurts so much. And how can I get him back? How can I get him back? I need to I need to heal this. It hurts so much. And 
uh, every time I see that, I want to, I, I want to find some way to tell them you're focusing on the wrong end of the stick. <laughs> but you can't always do that because they're not necessarily receptive to it because they're they are focused on that end of the stick and that's what they're focused on. Yeah. I guess that's what that, that's the coach's job, isn't it, to try to figure out how to get them off that lack and put them onto the other end of the stick. That's it. I suppose the the, the only way to do that is to get them to focus on well, on accepting that it's happened and planning what they want to do next and move on to. Mm-hmm. So it's about focusing on that. Or focusing on even the good times that they had with that person and being grateful for those. But then looking at what they want to experience next in their lives mm-hmm. without focusing on that person because that person is no longer there. Yeah. But it is a difficult one. It is a difficult one to... Uh, to approach with people. <laughs> and it's important to get there sooner rather than later, if possible, yeah. because I remember there was only one time in my life where I did have that kind of heartbreak that, that was extended and I allowed it to last for about three or four months yeah. before I finally let go of it. Now I didn't have counseling or something like that. I just kind of let go of it because I didn't know what else to do, which was the right thing to do. And I stopped focusing on it. But yeah. I, I kind of wish I had understood what it was to do, what I could do to let, to, to change that pattern. Cause yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. And so many people don't know that. I think it's probably the hardest part. You don't know what, if you don't know what to do, what do you do? That's a good question. You ask. Yeah. You ask, right. <laughs> ask for help. That's the only way out of it, isn't it? It really is. is. It, I, think, I think that's one thing that, that I learned was, to ask for help. I will always, if I'm stuck now, I will always get in touch with somebody and ask help. Because if I don't know how to do something, there's got to be someone out there that does. Oh, yeah. There's there's been a similar situation as as me, because there are billions of people in the world, so there's got to be one person that's been through a similar sort of situation to me. Um, And so I'll always ask. I'll always ask. It's usually, well, usually my coach or, or another coach that I know of. Something like that. I'll, I'll just say, look, this is going on. I haven't come across it before. What the hell do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do I move forward from it? How do I accept it and get a, a move on? And I think sometimes, even even now, I can, I can still struggle. Well, struggle is not the word. I find it challenging to move past certain things, especially with this this business with the um, the newspaper article. Um, yeah. I had to speak to my coach about that because. Right. It's something I haven't done before, so it's brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done anything like this before. I haven't pushed my, my boundaries as far as I have before. And I think we, we all forget as human beings that when we do come up against something new, that we haven't done it before, we shouldn't expect ourselves to know how to handle something that we haven't handled before. Mm. Because we are still learning. Everybody's still learning. It's like... Right. For example, a child that's learning to ride the bike, you mm-hmm. can't expect a child to get on a bike and ride it first time. It's, it's just not going to happen because they haven't done it before. Mm-hmm. It takes practice and the guidance of an adult or somebody that's done it before to help them get to where they need to be, which is exactly the same as coaching. Yeah. If if you can't work out how you can move forward yourself, then somebody else probably can help you do that, which right. is... Um, yeah. It, 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 when you ask for help, what you're basically saying is, I'm ready to be unstuck. 
Yeah. <laughs> not, a lot of people think asking for help makes them weak, but actually, no, it makes you really, really strong and emotionally aware and aware of yourself, really, because you realize that it's something that you do need, you do want to overcome. You've tried yourself. It didn't work. So the only other option is to go and ask for help. And nobody, in my experience, unless they're not a very nice person, will judge you for that. Everybody's mm. quite happy to help. Well, most people Especially, are, yeah, okay. Most people are. It's not, yeah. you don't, I mean, I, you might get some people that judge people, but I don't think it's, if you're and, genuinely asking for help, nobody's going to, going to, uh, you know, see that as a negative thing. And, and among those people who are the judgy ones, 99 times out of 100, what they're really doing is judging themselves. It has nothing to do with you at all. <laughs> 100%, yeah. It's yeah. like, well, it's like the, the um, if, if someone's says something negative towards you or is uh, not very nice towards you, they're actually just giving you a, a reflection of themselves mm-hmm. because they're feeling bad inside. They're having to get that out and project it onto somebody else to try and make themselves feel better. That's right. that's always the one. So, yeah, it's one of, one of the, 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 the four agreements, isn't it? Don't take anything personally. I, I don't know the four agreements. Tell me about the four agreements. The four, I can't remember the other three. I've got them written down. <laughs> oh, we lost your video. I don't know what happened there. Hello? I see you. I hear you. I just don't see you. Your video went off for some reason. That's all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, nobody can see us anyway, can they? Because we, we, we're not live, so it's fine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it'll, it'll go on, on uh, YouTube, but that's right. They saw you for most of it, so it's no big deal. <laughs> Hearing you is the most important part. So, Sorry, what were you going to say about the four? What do they call the four what? The four groups. It's a book by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. I don't think I know the book, but that's all right. So anyway, we got about uh, five, a little over five minutes left. Um, I want to make sure I get a couple things in because I have a tendency to forget. <laughs> I haven't been doing my job lately, uh, Steve. I, it's, it's, it's kind of an embarrassment, but it's true. But I really want to remind people, if you're not yet a subscriber to the podcast, please become one. Um, we've actually done a little change to make it easier to, you know, even one step easier than it was before to become a subscriber. And you can do that at the homepage of the website, LOAToday.net. We also tend to put the links in most of the places where we post this stuff. So um, you can look there first, but if you don't see a link, just go to the homepage. And we're also asking people, make sure that you share the fact that you're listening and that you're watching with other people so that more people can get that daily dose of happy. Because, I mean, you know how much time and how much fun we have doing this, um, even when we can't do the live stream portion. Live stream is always fun, but even without a live stream, it's still great. It's, it's still a good pick-me-up, and, and other people get that benefit too. So make sure that you're subscribing if you're not yet a subscriber, and make sure that you're sharing. And, I mean, just because we were talking about being on social media and how some people can be on there a lot doesn't mean that you shouldn't take advantage and post on social media. You should. Tell them about us. We like it. <laughs> And uh, also, I want to, uh, before we uh, part, I want to make sure, Steve, that I give you the chance to tell people how to reach you and how to find out about Steve Rowell, the coach. And, you know, how do they reach you? Can you see me again now? I do see you. Yes, your video is back. Oh, so that's good. Good. Sorry, I, I think I lost sound as well because I couldn't, I couldn't hear you for a while. So I think, oh, I think well, I've I'm... just caught the 
the last bit. I, I want to tell people how to, how to subscribe and how to share and all that kind of thing. Um, but I also want to give people okay. a chance to know how to find you too. Yeah, yeah. Well, they can find me on Facebook at Steve Rowell, um, do life on purpose. And they can also get onto my website, which is www.dolifeonpurpose.com. Ah. Um, also, anybody that is um, a subscriber to LOA Today, if you do want to work with me, um, I will offer a, a free, 100% free, um, what I call a discovery call, where you can find out a bit about me. I can find Ooh. out a bit about you. See if you... Um, you know, see if we're, we're compatible working together. Um, but also, if you do decide to work with me, anybody that mentions LOA today will get a 50% discount on my fees. Whoa! Oh, my God! Whoa! I'm glad that we got your picture back. There are a lot of people who are glad that we got your picture back. <laughs> Whoa, what an offer that is. On behalf of all my listeners, thank you for that offer. What a generous thing to do. That's fabulous. Well, we get support all I have to do is reach out, send me a message through through Facebook Messenger or um, get on my website and click the contact button on there. You can do it through there. Or you can find me on Instagram at steve.rowell and uh, just direct message me through there. Any which way you want to do it, you can uh, click on the links to LOA today. You put a comment in there and I'll contact you through, through Messenger, whatever you want to do. Fabulous. Whoa. See, now what you've done, Steve, is you reminded me the value of remembering to put the little messages out every time because I'd kind of forgotten that. I wasn't doing it every time. You're saying to me, well, do this more often. Your listeners are going to get these great benefits. Like, oh, duh, why didn't I think of that? Thank you for sharing that with people. That, that What a wonderful gift that you're giving to listeners. So thank you very much for that. That's really Well, I, I, mean, I, figure, I figure that we're, we're, we're on here and we're getting all this exposure and we're getting to have these wonderful conversations and speak to people that we wouldn't normally be able to. Right, so it's yeah. – uh, I mean, I, I've got to give back, haven't I? I've got to give back. That is so fabulous. Wow. I'm great to, grateful to hear that. Well, you, you just gave me a lift for the day, especially after we were talking about, you know, death and <laughs> really oh, difficult things like that. All of a sudden, we're giving these wonderful gifts to our listeners. How good. <laughs> we got from Facebook not allowing us to post, yes. post live videos to uh, the meaning of life and death. So, yeah, we've done true. pretty well there. This has been quite a quite an adventure here, no doubt about it. <laughs> we covered a lot. We, we've set the bar high. This is going to be kind of hard to top next Tuesday, but uh, somehow on Tuesday, I think we're going to find a way to do it anyway. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. I think so. <laughs> hey, Steve, so much. thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having this great chat. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully next time we'll have the full uh, live stream too so we can have uh, you know the interaction with people who listen to the live stream. But uh, in the meantime, thank you very much, and, and thanks to our podcast listeners as well. Of course, that's where most of the people are anyway, listening to the podcast. Because we love you. We love the fact that you listen and you're so regular. And, and i got to tell you, Steve, lately I've been, I've been watching the numbers a little bit. last few days, it's like we had these huge spikes in activity. So people are, are really starting to listen in a big big way lately. So you, you're, you could have timed it better. You really couldn't have. This is great. <laughs> that's great. Okay, well, what, right. what I was thinking of well, we'll let, I'll let you finish up and um, do what you need to do, but then we'll have a chat afterwards if that's okay. Yeah, sure. That's great. That sounds good. So in the meantime, I'll just say goodbye to our listeners. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>